Let me invite you to give ear now to our second reading, which is found in the 25th chapter of Matthew's Gospel. We'll be reading the first 13 verses. Listen now for God's word for us. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like this. Ten young women took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flask of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a shout, look, here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those young women got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, no, there will not be enough for you and for us. You had better go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they went to buy it, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went with him into the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the other young women came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he replied, Truly, I tell you, I do not know you. Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. One thing I have learned over the years is that faith requires patience. A kind of patience that is persistent. I think this is true, but I also admit I find it disappointing because I'm not always the most patient guy. Years ago, I was on a sabbatical from the church that I was serving. The chair of the personnel committee got it passed in the congregation. I said, how did it go? He said, I told him, if you were good, you deserved it. And if you weren't, we deserved it. So just don't ask. So I, I took the time and I took a week to study at a seminary out of town. I flew in. I didn't have a car. The first morning I got up, I needed some coffee, and the closest place I could find some coffee was a nearby McDonald's, so I went in. There was a guy standing at the counter, and uh, the woman said, may I take your order? He said, give me just a minute, and I thought, okay, here we go. He said, I just can't decide. He said, I I was going to get the pancakes, but that Egg McMuffin looks good. Is your Egg McMuffin good here? I thought, good, my Lord, it will kill you. I tried to make eye contact with the woman behind the counter. I just need some coffee. I need need coffee soon, actually. (laughs) The man said, I'm thinking, and I was thinking, how can you not know what you want? They haven't changed the menu in 35 years. Just get the biscuit, man. And I started to walk out saying, I don't have time for this. I just need some coffee. And then I had to laugh at myself. I was on sabbatical. I I didn't have an appointment for three months. I'm not always very patient. 
which is unfortunate because from time to time, faith requires patience. Jesus told a story about a wedding and the wedding didn't really go as planned. I don't think I'm talking out of school here to say that happens from time to time with all of the elaborate planning and oversight from all of the parties involved. Still, sometimes things can go awry at a wedding. I was doing a wedding in the circular church in Charleston, South Carolina. I was a guest officiant there. So the organist from the circular church pulled me aside at the rehearsal. He said, you just got to prepare yourself at this old, historic, architecturally interesting sanctuary. People will just walk in off the streets. You, this may relate to you. People will just walk in off the streets. He said, we've been in weddings and people come in and just start taking pictures of the sanctuary in the middle of the wedding. He said, you never know what's going to happen, so just prepare yourself for anything. I said, okay, okay. Well, the wedding was starting and the father of the bride was escorting his daughter down the aisle. She was beautiful, he was beaming. And when they reached the front, right there at the chancel in the circular church with the people of God gathered around, the pants of the father of the bride fell down <laughs> to the floor. He was standing there in the presence of God in the gathered community in powder blue boxer shorts, which did not coordinate with the bridesmaids' dresses, I might add. He was wearing, or at least had been wearing, a rented tux, and sometimes in those rental clothing, there's a little clip in the waistband, uh, just in case you need a little extra breathing room, you can grant yourself such. We were learning in that moment the importance of keeping that clip closed, because if you leave it open, your 36 can go to a 46 before you can say, I do. To, to make matters worse, dad had had surgery on his knee and he could not bend down to retrieve his trousers, so he was just looking at me. I wasn't real sure what to do in this moment. I had obviously skipped class the day we covered this in seminary, but my general practice is you don't grab a man's pants in church. And so I, I just sort of looked at him and then I thought I would look at my friend, the organist. In that church, the organ was up in the balcony and I looked up at the organist who had reminded me, be prepared for anything. And he looked in his mirror there to see, which had become a rear view mirror, if you follow me. He just sort of looked in his mirror and this man who had told me to be prepared for everything was completely unprepared and trumpet voluntary. It didn't conclude, it just stopped as he fell off the organ bench laughing. Not everything goes as planned at a wedding. So it was with the wedding that Jesus tells us of. In that wedding, the groom's late. The, the assumption behind the story is the groom has traveled has traveled to another village where his bride lives and he goes to secure her and, and then returns to his home village with his new bride and these young women, sometimes called bridesmaids, they wait at the edge of the home village and when the happy couple returns, they light their lamps and lead a procession uh, back to the groom's home where there is a celebration like no other. But this time, 
when the groom returns, uh, some of the young women had oil for their lamps, but others did not. Uh, the wise bridesmaids, as they are designated in the text, are also apparently stingy because when those who are lacking oil ask for some, the wise bridesmaids say, go shop for your own. Jesus says our lives are like this story. So to understand that, we've got to know what is this oil? It's a metaphor for something, but, but what exactly? Over the years, different students of the text had offered different explanations. Some said the oil is love. Some, I like that. Some said the oil is faith. I, I think that's good too. One thing I've learned, though, is that faith can't survive without patience, a particular kind of patience, actually, a persistent patience. Why do I say that? To call the oilless bridesmaids foolish is a bit misleading. It sounds like they aren't good planners, like they're a bit absent-minded, like they got there and said, you're not going to believe this, but I left my oil on the breakfast room table. Samantha, can I borrow some of yours? No, if I understand the text, these so-called foolish ones, they're not absent-minded. They've just run out of patience. The reason they did not bring any oil is because they reached the point where they didn't think they would need any oil. Why? Because the groom was late, really late, late enough that they began to lose trust that he was coming at all. They spent all this time living toward a day when a promised love would come. They spent their lives living toward a promise that now seemed unreliable. And if the bridegroom is not going to return, then you're not going to need any oil because there's nothing to celebrate. You only need to carry oil if someday, some long-awaited promised day, you will have to light your lamp and dance your way into a celebration that God has planned for you. And here's the point. If you believe that that day is coming, it changes how you live now. If you believe that that is the future God has planned, it changes how we engage our lives now. Am I making sense to you? When Carol and I lived in Florida, we had a friend in our church named Shirley, and Shirley's business was to clean people's homes. And she came to Carol and I one day at church, and she said, you know, I'd like to come by every couple of weeks or so and just help you out by cleaning your house. I said, Shirley, you are a godsend. Carol and I were both working full-time. Our kids were little and into everything, and we, we barely had one nostril above the water. I said, Shirley, if you would come clean, our, we would rise up and call you blessed. That would be wonderful. So every other Thursday, Shirley would come by to clean the house, which meant that every other Wednesday, when, 
when I would come home from church, Kara would say, Tom, go clean the kitchen. Shirley's coming tomorrow. <laughs> I said, but isn't Shirley coming to clean? She's, she can clean the kitchen. Carol would look at me with level gaze and say, Tom, how do you expect her to clean everything if everything's a mess around here? And I go clean the kitchen. Uh, my test, I still do not really understand why this works the way that it does, but my testimony is by the time Wednesday was over, Carol and I were exhausted from the Christian practice of waiting for Shirley. That's what carrying oil looks like. It's waiting, it's patient, but it's a Christian patience, which means it's a participatory thing. To carry oil is to practice today what we anticipate tomorrow. To carry oil is to live today toward the promise that God has given us for every tomorrow. Even at the midnight hour, we have our oil at the ready. We have our eyes on the horizon. We have our hope fully engaged because we trust that love is coming and will lead us to a celebration like none other. Of course, like all the stories of Jesus, this one's not about a wedding. It's about the kingdom of heaven, as Matthew calls it, or the promised day of God. And if anything is late, it's the promised day of God. Our faith promises that the day will come when justice will roll down like waters because we will finally decide that fairness is no longer something we can live without. We are not there yet, but if you trust that God will be faithful to that promise, then every day you carry a little oil of fairness. Our faith promises that someday swords will be beaten into plowshares because someday it's going to make more sense to us to feed one another than to kill one another. We are not there yet, but if you trust that God will be faithful, then every day you carry a little oil of peacemaking. Our faith promises that someday, someday the poor will have good things because someday we will grow dissatisfied with the blessings of life being claimed by only a few. We are not there yet, but every time social service ministry is engaged, every time a sandwich is shared in Anderson Hall, you are carrying a little oil. Am I making any sense to you? The radical promise of Jesus made to you and to me is that we can choose to let today be defined not by what has gone before, but by what is yet to come. And what is to come is a day that is defined by love. Don't be discouraged by the delay. Just carry the oil that you can carry. Now I know it will require some patience, some persistent patience. My friend, Dr. Bob Manili was the founding pastor of the Village Church, the collection of saints that I served over the last 20 years. Dr. Bob founded that church in 1949, and without detail, maybe some other time I'll give you detail, but without detail today, we'll say during the Civil Rights Movement, he stood tall. He was courageous and strong and 
contributed to changes in our community. I was visiting him in 2021 through our mask. We were talking to one another and we were reflecting on the nation's struggles in recent years. Our conversation turned to the systemic racism that defines so much of American culture. He said, it's disappointing that we aren't farther along. We have been struggling with this for so long. This man in his ninth decade said, I so hoped that we would be further along. That better day has been a long time coming and it, for example, could cause some to run out of patience. But don't give up. I think Jesus tells us this story because we never know the next good thing that is coming. We never know the next sign of God's faithfulness that will show up. We never know when that promised love will break through and give us reason to celebrate a bit like we've never celebrated before. But faith in that requires some patience, an active kind of patience. When we trust that the love that makes sense of the world is coming, it means every day you carry a little oil. In my first words to you, I told you that one of the reasons I, with humility, welcome the invitation to spend this brief interim time with you is because I have long admired who you have been as a church. In these short, but really full couple of weeks, that admiration has only grown. But if that were all, I wouldn't have come. And if that were all, you wouldn't want me to. Because this is what you know. God has had a practice of showing up here among you. God has had a practice from time to time of showing up in the ministry to which you commit yourself. I don't know when you have sensed it, but God has had a practice of showing up and I am confident of this. The days ahead of us matter as much to God as the days behind us. So every day, carry your lamp and cast your eye to the horizon because you never know when God is going to show up next, but she will. So don't lose hope. Don't ever lose hope. Carry the oil that you can carry, for that holy love is coming and you want to be looking for it. That is the surest way to join the party that God has in mind. Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe, help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray, amen.